all I need is already within me. And I think that's true. Sometimes that gets buried. Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's difficult to tap back into that and you lose that. I think the biggest pain is when you feel disconnected to yourself, to your authentic self, to you don't know who you are or you don't know where you're going. But it is there. You just have to find it again. That wisdom, that intellect, that intuition, that spark, that is there. And, and I feel passionate. And that's why I work with people. And that's one of the big things I do to get them to find it again. So trust it and you'll find it. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Rosalind, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast today. So excited to have you and talk to you about your book, Reset, A Blueprint for a Better Life. Thank you so much again, Rosalind, for joining me on the show. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Awesome. Well, before we jump into your book, Rosalind, if you don't mind, would you just tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you've got going on right now? So I'm a transformational therapist and coach, or should I add an award-winning transformational therapist <laughs> and coach? Awesome. I offer uh, hypnotherapy, which is clinical hypnotherapy. Um, I've also trained in a method called rapid transformational therapy. And I'm an NLP uh, based and trained coach. I've been doing that as uh, my proper day job, if you like, for the last four years, although I was trained in NLP and hypnotherapy and many other things mm -hmm. in the 90s. But I trained at that time because I was running a leading public relations company in London, England. And many of my clients were the leading personal development people in the world, including the likes of Tony Robbins. Wow. So my background is really PR and marketing for many, many years. And now I've moved completely into the therapy and coaching, but there, there was a very good grounding there. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. What an incredible uh, bit of experience you've got. Um, well, would you just tell us a little bit more about resets and what inspired you to write it and give us that high level overview of the book yeah thank you so i've written for years i'm a member of the british association of journalists obviously with having a background in pr and marketing i was also in publishing you know i've written everything you name it brochures <laughs> you know stock exchange leaflets you name it um but i wrote a lot for business publications uh ghosting articles on behalf of clients and then i moved i moved to the bahamas um for a while and i actually wrote for a business publication in my own right and then i wrote more and more and i actually have a newspaper column now in my local newspaper so writing's been very much part of me, my joy, what I love. I have a degree in English literature. And so my story and my life, uh, you know, has been and is interesting. 
And I would speak or I would meet people, I would network, and they'd go, oh my goodness, that's so interesting. Do you have a book? And after enough people asked me this, I thought, that's really silly that I don't have a book, to be honest, because <laughs> I pride myself as being a good writer. Yeah. And so, yes, uh, about, well, last year, I finally published the book, but the book was inside me for a long time. Yeah, I bet. You got it out there and just curious about, you know, your your title actually reset. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that and just the what the listeners yeah. might really get out of reading your book. Well, I think my book is an interesting mix. So it's semi-autobiographical. It's my story. It's like okay. a huge bunch of things that happened to me. But then I wear my therapist stroke coach hat and go and here's a way that if this happened in your life or you're facing this, you could potentially navigate it. So that's that's the format. And I knew that that was the book I wanted to write. And I went away on a work, uh, writer's workshop and I was really struggling with the title and kind of how to, to bring this all together. Yeah. And I think I said to somebody, because they said, tell me about you know your story. And I said, it's like that big reset button that you have or you know when your computer goes wrong and like it all crashes and everything's wrong and you go reset and you hit that reset <laughs> button and you, you kind of reboot it and, and there you go. And presumably it comes back stronger and better. And I thought that is the analogy for me. My life really which is why it's reset and then the tagline a blueprint for a better life because then I give the blueprint I give the advice for you resetting your life to be better awesome awesome very cool was there any particular section of the book that stands out that really think the listener might get the most out of today if they could apply some part of what you did for resetting your life into their life well, yes. I mean, let me look at the chapter headings. I mean, there's, so the kind of things that I've been through, which I obviously discuss in the book was, I used to have, you know, a massive house in London. I was a millionaire at 40 on the back of my PR success. I looked like I had it all going on, but behind the mask, I was actually pretty miserable. And I was kind of glued together at the edges with sticking plaster. And <laughs> there were a lot of not very healthy behaviors I came through bulimia, I was quite depressed, etc. But then there were some really good things I did, like Ayurvedic medicine, meditation, yoga. So I think the chapters about, you know, kind of learning out what your values are and learning to say no, they're very, very powerful. Because one of the things I had to learn was to say no, um, and to have a stop doing list. And what happened to me was my body said no for me, because I thought I'd escaped. I thought I'd dodged a bullet. I sold the company, left in a blaze of glory from London, the big success, moved to the Bahamas as you do. And then my life imploded. And in an 18 month period, my father had a stroke and then I developed breast cancer. My mother um, was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. We had a hurricane and we kind of lost everything. And then I discovered that the foundation of the bedrock the finances that I thought were there uh, were not there anymore uh, due to some really bad misinvestments from my former husband. So kind of everything wow. I knew, my health, my family, my wealth, my identity, who I was, was, was taken away from me. So I, I truly did get 
stripped back. So, wow. yeah, the book, I mean, but the book is always very optimistic. I don't tell that in a tragedy kind yeah. of poor me kind of way because that's not who I am. So I refer to all of those things and, I'm, and I'll always share the positive in all of those. I mean, for me, cancel was incredibly liberating. There's nothing like having cancer to decide that there's nothing else on your to-do list. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, you, you really do take a red pen and strike out everything yeah. else. It's like, I'm going to get well. I'm going to get better. I'm going to come through this. Um, so I learned some of those, what are very good life lessons, maybe in difficult ways, but I never felt like a victim. I never felt super sorry for myself. So yeah, I think the bits in the book that really come through that are, you know, those kind of things. But then also what, because of all of that, has become my life philosophy. Awesome. Wow. Thank you for sharing those stories. Um, yeah, it's incredible to hear you come out of that and interested, I guess, to hear from you what you feel like would the the number one thing the listener or the reader would you'd want them to take away from reading your book? Yeah, so the number one thing is very much that it's been only maybe in hindsight, looking back, that I realized that what got me through all of this was really my core values. And that any time you can tap in or ignite those core values. And I learned a lesson very early in the 90s from a Tony Robbins course I was on, or I, I diffused it myself yeah. that to have a really good life you need a life of balance and so what people will take away from this book and there are actual practical exercises there's ways of writing letters to your younger self but there's a whole bespoke program which is my bespoke program which is based on my five f's philosophy so to be in balance to have a life of balance you need to pay attention to kind of the five key concepts of your life which are faith so if you think you have five fingers five f's faith faith in yourself faith in god faith in something bigger could be faith in nature but something that takes you out of yourself and gives you a reason why beyond yourself yeah fitness i'm a therapist and a coach uh i've had a life threatening illness that I've come through and I'm in the best shape ever. Uh, your mind controls your body, your body controls your mind. So I give lots of really, really good advice about mind hacks, meditations, wow. um, self-hypnosis, but also things to help your health and your physical health. So faith, fitness, friends, you know, what does it mean to connect with other people? What does it mean to be part of a tribe? You know, the whole, you are the sum total of those people around you. How do you elevate that? How do you make that better? Family. Not everybody loves their family, but how do you navigate those difficult relationships? What does all that mean? What does connectedness mean? And then finance, because a lot of people are really great at stuff, but they have terrible money box. And I've somebody who came from rel relatively humble beginnings, made a lot of money, was really successful, had quite a lot of that money not, you know, taken away, and then has reinvented myself and, you know, reset reset my finances, reset where I am to get back. So I feel very congruent. I feel very authentic that I can offer this advice because this is paths I have tread. And then I like to add a sixth one, which is fun. You know, so <laughs> make the whole process fun. You know, life is not always easy. Nobody gets out alive. <laughs> so, you know, let's enjoy it. And I think I was one of those very A-listy driven kind of people who was always like, 
I'm on the goal, I'm on the goal, I'm on the goal, and I'll put up with all this stuff on the way there. So I really give people a true blueprint for living this life of balance with the five Fs and for enjoying the journey. Very cool. Wow. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rosalind. Well, let's move on to a little bit more on you. Interested to know a little bit more about, you know, you've talked about about the things that you've done, but who has influenced you and to become who you are today, to write an amazing book, to be helping others with these five Fs and the six one fun. Who has influenced you the most, Rosalind? That's a great question. And recently I've been part of two compilation books, both Amazon bestsellers. One is Ignite Your Life for Women and one is Ignite Your Female Leadership. And I had to write a two and a half thousand word chapter for each. Well, I didn't have to, I chose to. It was really <laughs> and particularly with the leadership one, I was like, oh, so what made me a leader? Who influenced me? And also my, my kind of my life diffused into the other one. So here's exactly who's influenced me because I've been, I've been analyzing that very much for those two books in the last few months. Uh. My family, my upbringing, my parents were shopkeepers. In my very early years, I lived above the shop, a grocer shop. Mm. And we lived in such a humble place that when I was four, it was demolished for, you know, new housing, for slum clearance. It was, you know, like condemned. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it in America, but you get the picture. Yeah. And our, my earliest memories of being a little girl in the shop and on a Friday, seeing women coming in with their heads down and they didn't want to look up and I'd be little, so I'd be looking up and I'd see that they'd got a black eye and they were crying and they'd stand and my mother would just go, shh, and she'd push like ham and cheese and bread across the counter because this woman couldn't afford to buy anything because maybe her husband had gambled it away or whatever other circumstance she was with. So I realized that my family, my grandparents, my parents before me were the kind of social services, the community of their day. They never let anybody go without. So I had all that philanthropy instilled into me. You know, I was the one who was the girl guide and had to go collecting <laughs> with the cookie jar and everything. So that was very much part of me. And I ended up being head of marketing and communications for a while for an international charity, the Leprosy Mission. And people with leprosy are arguably the most marginalized and persecuted people in the world. And so that heart was broken. That compassion was given me then. Then I was very driven. Um, I went to a big state school, big public school, thousands of people. I didn't have any particular advantage, but I, I was very driven. I loved education. And then I went into London and really against the odds became successful in quite a rarefied world of PR. Hmm. Um, and again, the lessons I learned, I ended up with clients who were very interesting. I raised the money for London Lighthouse with Daniel Day-Lewis. I worked with the Rolling Stones, for goodness sake. Wow. You know, so, but what I saw was I saw behind the curtain because um, I was working with royalty, I was working with celebrities, and I saw behind the curtain, it's not great. You know, they, they're humans. And so all of that taught me to really take people as I found them and to treat everybody as I, you know, never have any presumptions about them. And it makes me very adaptable. You know, I, I, I genuinely have worked with Prince Philip and the Royal Family. I've been to Buckingham Palace. I've worked mm. with pop stars. Wow. Equally, I work with battered wives and, you know, and then the leprosy mission. I've stood in Mumbai in slums with 
you know, human excrement with people with a tall pauline and a cup to their name. So that taught me to always treat everybody with respect and treat everybody and everybody's got a heart inside. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's a human. And I realized that that taught me that. And that probably made me very good and very heartfelt at my PR, you know, back in a time when you could be a bit insincere I never was so I think that really came through so what else Tony Robbins massive influence yeah who couldn't be <laughs> I did his PR I went to the whole of Mastery University I've jumped off telegraph poles in Maui Hawaii I've done firewalks I mean the whole NLP the whole I can do this the whole hold yourself accountable <laughs> yeah quite amazing I worked with Brandon Bates who did the journey so I learned to be very meditative at a time when that wasn't I think that all of these people have influenced me. Who else? You know, just so, yeah, my family, some of these gurus, everybody I've met, right from rich to poor. I think the leprosy people I met, tribal communities where they've got nothing, but they've got each other. And they're happy because they're connected and they love each other. And every day they get up and they're so grateful for everything. These have all taught me incredible lessons. Wow, amazing. Quite yeah. the journey you've been on, Rosalind. Well, Very still inspiring. am. <laughs> still am. <laughs> yes, for sure. You're you're going strong. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing those inspirations with us. That's inspiring. Uh, I think for all of us to, yeah, just get out there and continue down a path of wanting to learn more. And you just <laughs> never know when something amazing is going to happen. When I was yeah. writing the leadership. Uh, chapter and I remembered that when I was in Maui, Hawaii, I couldn't get to see Tony and I was a bit annoyed. I was like, Ooh, I <laughs> so I went and I thought, right, I'm going to go and watch the sunset in a hot tub. I've never done that before. It's really cool. I'm in Maui. Yeah. Hot tub the sunset. And this bear of a man was in the hot tub and I like looked at him. I knew it was immediately. And it was yeah. the Gulf War and it was General Norman Schwarzkopf. And I didn't mention the war and I just said to him, look, I'm really interested what, what are your thoughts on leadership? And basically, he gave me like a one-hour private lesson on how to be a leader. Now, that's synchronicity. That's, you know, and I share that in the leadership book. I share those lessons. So you just never know what's, you know, be open to things. Life, life yeah. is full of endless possibilities. Yeah, very true. Well, thank you for sharing your experiences with us today, Rosalind. Really appreciate that. Wanted to jump into a favorite quote, if you have one, anything that inspires you often or that you live by? Yeah, so I have a bracelet and it says, all I need is already within me. Mm, Love it. And I think that's true. Sometimes that gets buried. Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's difficult to tap back into that and you lose that. I think the biggest pain is when you feel disconnected to yourself, to your authentic self, to you don't know who you are or you don't know where you're going. But it is there. You just have to find it again. That wisdom, that intellect, that intuition, that spark, that is there. And and I feel passionate and that's why I work with people and that's one of the big things I do to get them to find it again. So trust it and you'll find it. Mm, Love that quote. Thank you again for sharing. All right, real quick, wanted to go into the book writing process and you have so much experience writing. I wondered if you might share some helpful lessons that you've learned along the way that might encourage someone who's interested in writing a book. Anything you'd like to share? Absolutely. So Tony Robbins and a lot of those people taught me mind mapping. So for me, 
uh, I was overwhelmed with all my ideas. So the first thing I had to do was structure it, you know, structure it into some kind of coherent, this is where we're going, how is this going? Then I created an, an overview of this is going to be, you know, everything the book's going to have it. I was very clear about who the book was directed at. So all the way through my tone of voice, my conversation, what I was sharing was based at that person, that audience. I like to call her burnt out Barbara. You know, it's that high performing female exec who looks like she's got it all going on, but she's completely burnt out behind it and comes home and drinks <laughs> three gin and tonics and probably takes sleeping tablets to go to bed and just wants the merry-go-round to stop. So I was talking to her all the way through. I then, when I had that structure and I, I took that down into chapters, I then was disciplined about when I wrote. I wrote every morning from eight till 10, every day, seven days a week. And I learned a quote about sometimes you write for the waste paper basket. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you get up and you're like, oh, I really don't feel like writing today. Or I, don't think, I don't think I'm in the mood. It's like, just write something, just write something. So I'd write. And they were often the days I wrote the best stuff. But, you know, some days they weren't and you'd literally put all that away. But it took your thinking on. It moved your story on. So I was disciplined about that. I read a lot about other authors and people I admired seemed to do that. I mean, yeah. you can choose your own time of the day. And then when I really pulled all of that off, it absolutely flowed. My issue then was I wrote far too much. Huh. I was like, hey, I rang my publisher, I've written 80,000 words. And they were like, great, we only want 50. <laughs> you know, so, like, so no problems yeah. with the writer's block then. <laughs> getting, yeah, and I was the other way around. Getting rid of those 30,000 words was, it felt like killing my babies. It was like, but I like every word. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, I actually had to get a sub-editor in who was quite ruthless and kind wow. of took it down. So I think that would be my other advice. Sometimes you almost have to step away a little bit and maybe say to somebody, look, you critique it, you tell me. And she was like, well, you repeat that point in chapter one and chapter five and chapter six. Let's take, you know, so that was my blueprint. And I followed that in the other two books. Next year, I plan to write a work of fiction and I'm going to use exactly the same blueprint. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for those tips. I think they're very very on point, very helpful. Wanted to finish up the book writing process question with what you feel has been the very best part of writing books to you, Rosalind. What's been the best part of it? I think there's what would almost seem good and bad, but I realize they're both good. So for me, I just love writing. I love writing. I love being in flow. I love just getting that out. I love communicating. I love the power of the word, you know? Yeah. The, the pen is mightier than the sword. Never were a truer thing said. I then, the weekend before my book was published, I spent the weekend pretty much in my pajamas crying, asking if it could be recalled because I felt so vulnerable. Oh. You know, N.A. Brown daring greatly. I've really dared greatly in my book. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is all too much. People are actually going to read it. It's all a bit much. I feel a bit exposed. <laughs> but actually, that has been the greatest thing because I, I have people contact me um, through social media, through Twitter. So, you know, people I don't know going, I read your story. It's my story. Or I read your story. I'm struggling with X. And when you said that and you had the courage to share that, you have no idea how much that has helped me and encouraged me and turned me around. Now, when you get stuff like that, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah, and I do. Get, I get it all the time. I really do. Awesome. Yeah, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. It does not get better than that. So I'm very glad that that weekend in my pajamas, I did <laughs> not have the power to stop the book being published. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Rosalind, I want to make sure I didn't forget anything. So if there's anything else at all you'd like to share, or if there was a question you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? What would that be? I keep being interviewed about the book and then I forget to tell people that I actually am a therapist and coach in practice. <laughs> so, you know, everything they like reading, you know, I'm, I can build upon and I am building upon. So, it, yeah. you know, it's a good foundation and it's a great window into everything I do, but it's only a fraction of who I am, what I know, etc. So I suppose that's a plug for me that I've been a bit backwards at coming forwards about. So I'm, I'm going to do that. What else would I ask if I were you? Um, Oh, I know what's been also lovely. So what I might ask would be, how have you felt having the identity of, hello, I'm a best-selling author? Mm. Um, and it's great. And I love connecting with other authors and other writers. It's a really lovely club to be in, if you yeah. like. We have a book festival in my local town, and I opened it this year. And I was oh, the lead interviewer with Joanne Harris, who wrote Chocolat, you know, that they made yeah. the movie into with yeah, Johnny Depp. So she's like a world, world, world famous author. Yeah, she's like one of the top 10 authors in England. And I got the gig of interviewing her on stage for two hours. So, Amazing. and to be respected by, you know, a writer as a writer is yeah. really something really rather wonderful, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, you're like, you're in the club. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really in her league, just so we all know, but you know. Oh, I'm sure you are. <laughs> He actually gave me some really great tips because I told her I'm going to write a work of fiction next year. So watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Well, you have to make sure you hit me back up when you're ready to come I your next I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you could just let the listeners in on where they can connect with you, whether that's with your practice or online and where, where they can find you and uh, maybe yeah. a sneak peek into your next book you talked about. Okay. So you can find me easily at www rosalynpalmer.com so that's r-o-s-a-l-y-n-p-a-l-m-e-r rosalynpalmer.com i'm rosalyn palmer on twitter i'm rosalyn palmer transformation on instagram i'm rosalyn palmer on facebook to be honest if you just google rosalyn palmer <laughs> i pretty much come up and yeah the insight into the book you'll find this interesting it's set in the bahamas so it's set in the Bahamas because I lived there for five years and I kept diaries every day for five years. And uh, the last two years of my time there, I was on an out island called Eleuthera, which is where Lenny Kravitz is from. And uh, Oprah's got a house at the top, but the rest of the island is pretty local. My nearest neighbor was two and a half miles away. Wow. And it's, oh my goodness, talk about the backdrop for a novel. And there's very few novels that have been set with the inside knowledge of the Bahamas, rich and poor, that, that I've got. Ah. Um, and I've got a great story. So it's really a story about, well, guess what? Uh, your life imploding and losing everything <laughs> and then a kind of redemption and being reborn again. So um, there'll be a big disclaimer at the front that, of course, it's not in any way autobiographical. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the story. <laughs> awesome. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you again, Rosalind, for joining me on the show. It's been so fun to have you and just wish you all the best in your continued uh, ventures and, and all that you're doing. Really appreciate your thank time. Thank you so much. It's been great. I really appreciate it. And I'm in Miami in January, so maybe we should try and hook up. 
Yes. Awesome. Well, I'll keep an eye out for it. Um, I'll, thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 